this morning, I really wasn't sure how to, how to open up the service. Um, I told you last week that we were going to continue in the book of Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians for about six weeks, and we're on chapter four. And so we tend to kind of hang out a little while in different chapters as we're going through them. Um, I think it's important for us that we familiarize yourself. We're going to be going through chapter 4 for the next couple of weeks, Ephesians chapter 4 in the New Testament. I would encourage you to go ahead and read that, familiarize yourself, kind of over and over. If you recall last week while I was preaching in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4, I was standing right about here, and all of a sudden I read a portion of Scripture, and it came alive to me in a way that it, it just hasn't before. I'm like right in the middle of my preaching, all of a sudden, I get this revelation about God's word. So you say, well, you know, I've I read Ephesians before. I read it again. We cannot meditate too much. You know, in the Old Testament, we're told 40 times in the Old Testament to meditate on God's words. As a matter of fact, different points, we're told to meditate on it day and night. Day and night. Don't raise your hand, but how often do you meditate on God's word? How often do you really get it in? You go, you know, I've read that. Well, according to John, you can't get too much meditating on God's Word. Listen to what John says in John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, this is the Word, but Jesus is the Word. He's described as the Word. He was in the beginning. He was with God. And so when you meditate on the Word, you're meditating on Jesus. And you can't meditate on him too much. You, it's impossible. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not and will not, I might add, overcome it. Not even now are you defeated, right? Doesn't make any difference. Doesn't make any difference what darkness comes it cannot defeat God and the more you and I focus on God the more we meditate on God the more we get him in us get him in our thoughts the farther we are ahead I'm telling you there will be situations that happen in your day and you're ready for it one of the guys who attends our men's meeting has said to me a number of times, he said, you know why I like this Bible study so much, Pastor? You know why I like this so much? It's because when I walk out the door, I know I'm going to get a chance to practice something that we talked about in the next five minutes. It just happens. It just happens like every time. It just happens. So we meditate on the Word of God, and when we do, we're meditating on Christ. This morning, we're going to read through the first part of Ephesians chapter 4, and I want us to, to read it in a, a solid block because I want us to get the context of it. We're going to beat up uh, the first half of Ephesians chapter 4 for a few weeks, but I, I want to kind of bookend a couple of verses here, and so I, we're going to read a, a larger chunk of it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, this is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. Because we have peace through Christ, we can keep unity in the church. We can keep unity amongst our friends and our family. We can keep unity with believers. How many of you know we live in a world that doesn't have a lot of peace? And because we don't have a lot of peace, we find strife literally on every corner. Our world is tearing itself apart because of a lack of unity and because of a lack of peace. We're not walking with peace. He goes on and he says, there is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Again, we're going to beat this up over the next couple weeks, okay? We're going to come back to this. Verse 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives, and he gave gifts unto men. What does it mean he ascended except also that he descended? We talked about that a little bit on Good Friday to the lower earthly regions. Verse 10 says, he who descended is the one who ascended. So he's talking about Christ. After his crucifixion, he descended to hell and he rose again. He ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. There is no place that Jesus Christ has not been. There is no struggle in your life that he cannot touch, he cannot mend, he cannot fix because he has been through all of it. No place in the universe that he has not been. So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. One translation says he gave gifts unto men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You may not think of your pastor as a gift, but that's what God says, I am. No, 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 boo-boo. May not say that to you, but that's what he says about me. Um, to equip his people, who are his people? The church are his people, right? You're part of the church? Part of my job is to equip you, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Part of the reason that God has put the call on my life is to encourage you to build you up so that you can build up one another so that the church can be strong. That makes sense? That makes sense? Okay, hang on. <laughs> Keep that singing going, man. That's good. Then he says, then we will no longer, once the church is built up, he says, then we will no longer be infants. We got a, we got a little <laughs> infant over here. I don't know. Listen. Sing it, buddy, sing it. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what God's saying. Here's what God's saying. He says the church needs to be equipped so that we're not all infants, we're not all going. I went to church, and church is really good, and God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. God bless me. Keep, keep feeding me, God. Keep, keep dumping it in. God says it's the pastor's job to raise up people so we stop being infants so that we grow up. I didn't even pay him for that. I didn't even. 
until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God who become and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, you and I will become mature as we grow in his word, as we are shepherded, as we're led, as, as we, we see these gifts come to life in the church. We will be shepherded until we become mature so that we look like the full stature of Christ. I put a mic on that kid. Then, he says, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blowing here and there by every wind of teaching, by every cunning, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, get a hold of this, get a hold of this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that's Christ. Christ is the head, we're the body. He's the chief, we're the followers. He, he's the head, we're the body, and we will grow in maturity from him, the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's you and I, that's everybody taking their spot, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work grows and builds itself up. It's the body's job. How many, of you, how many times have you heard a, a doctor say, you know, if you, just, if you just listen to your body, it'll heal itself. You know, you just take care when, you, when something's going to blow out a knee. You just take care. The body wants to heal itself. Here, Paul is saying that's exactly the case, that the body of Christ, when it's mature, when it's functioning in love, will, it will grow itself up. That's good. That is good. If we will walk in that truth, if we'll let God work in our hearts and mature us so we stop sucking our thumb and wetting our pants, we don't need somebody to clean up our mess after us. Right? Think about it. It's his word. It's not just me. He, so many times we go through life and we, we cop an attitude. And because we cop an attitude then we, we tick off somebody else, we hurt somebody else, we're going, off, we're going to go off and do this, and we don't build up the body of Christ, we destroy the body of Christ. And Paul says, it's time to grow up. So I went to a conference this week. Guess what the conference was about? It was about engaging in the kingdom of God. How many of you know that we're, we're foreigners here? You know, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Right? I'm not a singer either, okay? If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me to heaven's open door because I can't be at home in this world anymore. How many of you feel at home in this world? You look at the chaos that's going on how many of you feel like, yeah, God, give me a hundred more years of this yeah. stuff? We're called to something different. We're called to a different kingdom. We have a different king, right? Do we live like that? Do we live like that every day? Are we leaving messes behind that somebody's got to clean up? 
Paul starts out by saying, as a prisoner for the Lord, live a life that's worthy of the calling that he's put in front of you. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. I don't do that really good. I'm not good at that. That whole bearing with one another in love, man, I'm just like, throw ah, get it, figure it out. You know, you come to counseling in my office, it doesn't start out with, oh, I love you. It's like, how did you get here? Undo that. If you've been doing it that way for 40 years and it hasn't worked, stop it. There's a truth to that, but I've got to get the love part down. And Paul says when we do that, when we begin to walk in love, there's a whole bunch in between there, but he says when we do that, we'll no longer be infants. You know how many people have sat in church pews for 30, 40, and 50 years, and they're babies. They're babies in the Lord. They've not, they don't know. They, 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 could, they, they don't know John 3, 16, 17, and 18. They don't know the rest of that. They don't, they, they don't get it. There's a guy who wrote a book called uh, uh, Religious Liberty. No, 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 no. Religious Literacy. I haven't read the book yet. It was, it was mentioned this weekend. And he said, the author goes on to say, the reality is the name of the book should have been Religious Illiteracy. Because Muslims don't know the Quran. And Jews don't know the Torah. And Christians don't know the Bible. And we walk around just kind of hoping that everything's going to blend together and it's all going to work out. I'm here to tell you, it ain't all going to work out. It's not just going to all blend together and sooner or later we're all going to make it to heaven. That is not what Scripture says. Scripture says the way to heaven is a very narrow path and there are few that find it. Okay, you look around the room. You look around the room and say, well, how many people here would constitute few? If it's just this half, would that would you call that few out of this group? Less. If it was a quarter, don't follow me. I'm not supposed to be going out here. Would that be considered few? What about a row or two? Would that be considered few? If I had something for a few of you. Few is a pretty small number. Few is a pretty small cut. Paul says, grow up. Grow up, church. One of the speakers at this conference, his name is Jim McCracken. He only spoke for about 10 minutes. He's actually the, the founder of this, this conglomeration of churches. And he's 70 years old. And it's kind of like Charles Schwab. When he speaks, everybody listens. And... Uh, I want to give you a quote the second night of the conference. He said, I've, I've had this rolling around in my spirit for a couple of months now. But he said, I am here to tell you, and I quote, I do not believe the church is prepared for the next 10 years. You see, we just went through a pandemic that freaked out the world. It, it freaked out the world. And people got sick, and I get that. And some people died. But it's created this drift in the church. It's created this drift with people. 
as a whole, people are away from each other. Some of the problems, if you look at some statistics about what's going on specifically with teenagers who have been forced to stay away from each other, it's terrible what's going on. Suicide rates are going up. If you look at what's going on in churches, there are churches in the United States that still have not opened. There are some that will not open. The churches that are closing, it's, it's unbelievable what's going on. In the United States alone, there are 10 churches that close every week in the United States. I think, that, I think the number's higher. That, that number's wrong. It's, it's higher than that. There was just a survey done recently, and it was done through, I don't remember who it was done through. Oh, uh, uh, Gallup did the poll. And it said, Americans' membership in houses of worship has continued to decline in the last year. Now, you have to understand, they're not just talking about people that go to church. They're talking about, as you read the article, they're talking about people who say, I am affiliated with a house of worship. I am affiliated. This is what I call my church home. They're not saying, haven't been able to go since the pandemic. They're saying people who are affiliated or not affiliated with the church. American church membership in houses of worship continues to decline in the last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. For 80 years, Gallup has been tracking this. And for the first time in 80 years, less than 50% of the people even claim to have a house of worship. We're drifting. One of the things that I, that I stressed when the whole pandemic thing started and when we were supposed to close the doors of the church and not meet, one of the things that struck my heart is if people get out of the habit of coming to church, if they start looking around for the best preacher in town on TV, they can find them. And they can sit there in their pajamas and they can have a cup of coffee and a cookie. And it's great if you're out there doing that, but I'm telling you, the word says don't neglect the, the gathering together. Don't neglect getting together. You miss something. You're missing out on something. Church membership has declined. And we, we think, well, okay, pastor, uh, you said that we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to uh, make sure that, that we, uh, we're worthy of the calling that God's given you. Well, God's given you a calling, but he hasn't given me a calling. Let's look at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting at verse 16, he says, So from now on, Paul said, From now on, we regard nobody, no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. We used to look at Jesus even from a worldly point of view. He was a good teacher. He was all right. He did this. He did that. Yeah, he did a few miracles. He was all right. Paul says, We don't even look at Jesus that way anymore, and we're not going to look at anyone else that way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have gone. The new is here. Old things have passed away, one translation says. All things become new. If any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Everything else in me is made new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Who is us? You is us. If you is in Christ, you is us. 
if you put on that jacket that said, all right, now I'm, I'm outside of God and now I'm going to put down, take this whole Jesus thing and I'm stepping into that kingdom. I want to be part of that kingdom. I'm in that kingdom. You are in that kingdom. You are part of the ministry of reconciliation. You don't get to say, well, that's not my job. That's the pastor's job. Guess what? God's not going to let you get by with that. He's going to stand, you're going to stand before him one day, Teddy, and he's going to say, what did you do with my son? And you're going to say, well, you know, I put him in my back pocket because I thought that ticket got me into heaven. You say, how much did you share? How much did you, where, where did you grow? Were you part of the ministry of reconciliation? How many people did you help reconcile to Christ? Folks, that is our job, not just my job. That's your job. Me too, I'm one of you. But it's part of the church's job. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Think about that for a second. God reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. What else would we do? What else are you going to do? Somebody else has a need. Where is that help going to come from? You know it's not coming from the county. I mean, God bless them. They do what they can do, but they don't change people's hearts and lives. Jesus changes hearts and lives. He's the one who made me a new creature. The county didn't. The church soup kitchen didn't. The, the local pantry doesn't. The, the, the Boys and Girls Club doesn't. They're all great organizations, but they don't change people's hearts. Jesus changed people's hearts. He's the one who does that. We're reconciled through him. And because of that, each one of us should say, God, you have given me this great gift. How can I share it? I'm not saying you beat somebody up over it. You, beat, you pound your Bible on their desk and you got to do this. How about just love them? How about just love them? How about just extend grace to them? How about walking in that newness of life and saying, you know what? I, I, there's only so much I can do for you. Can I pray for you? Can I help you walk through this? that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Grab that, man, grab that. We're Christ's ambassadors. I would, I'm telling you, I've told my elders this. I've, I would love to just come to church some Sunday and preach about butterflies and unicorns and just let you go home. But that's not where we're at, okay? We're at a time where the church needs to grow up and be the church because the world is going to hell around us. How many of you would have believed 20 years ago? Okay, how many of you have been a Christian for 20 years? Just raise your hand. Just raise your big and tall. Look around, look around. Look around. How many of you would have believed 20 years ago that you would see the stuff that we're seeing in the world around us today? And here's the deal. We're all just waiting for the masks to go away so life can be normal again. I got a clue for you. It ain't going to get normal again. The good old days, you're living them right now. It's not going to get normal. There is going to be another chaos and another chaos and another chaos and another chaos because we live in a fallen world. The Bible does not tell us in the end of days everything's going to get fluffy and, car you know, I heard one guy say, cars don't run on unicorn farts. I thought that's true. It's not going to get all better and everything's going to get nice and fluffy. I'm sorry. 
It's not. That's not what the word says. The word says the days are going to get darker. Things are going to get tougher. And guess what? It's the body of Christ that needs to grow people up. It's the body of Christ that needs to engage with people and bring life to them and bring hope to them. You are the ministry of reconciliation in this community. You are. You, you are, this is it. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That takes some growing up on our part. It does. Paul's talking about us. Anyone who has been reconciled through Christ Jesus is now a reconciler. But he says you've got to be completely humble. You've got to be patient. You've got to bear with one another. You've got to make every effort to keep unity in the spirit through peace. You've got to grow up. There's one Lord, one baptism. Again, we'll talk about all that stuff. But he said there's craftiness, there's cunningness, there's deceitfulness all around us. You've got to see through that. You've got to see through that. How are you going to see through that? One way. Through the word. Knowing the word. No, what does the word say about that? What does the word say about that? I'm not saying you've got to get mean. I'm not saying you've got to crucify somebody. I'm not, as a matter of fact, if you know the word, you will not do that. But you're going to take a stand on some things in your life and say, you know what? I love you. This is what I believe God's word says. We're not ready. We're not ready. The, the church is on this course where it's drifting. You've got the... There are churches that, are, that have been long-standing denominations that are they're, they're drifting. We, we people, we drift, folks. We drift. We're all crackpots. We all need Jesus to keep filling us up because we leak. We're, we're, we're cracked vessels. And so we, we need to know what... His word says, Ephesians 4, 16, from him the whole body joined together, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As we do what God is calling us to do, we need to be humble. We need to recognize that there are people that are out there drifting and they're just, one of the things that this report was saying, this um, uh, report from Gallup was saying it's not just about ages. It, uh, older folks, 66 years of age and older, um, they're, they're considered traditionalists. Um, they, they have much higher rate of church involvement and it goes down. But, it, but they, they claim it's not just uh, an age thing. It's the, it's the whole drifted. It's the whole, we're just separate. We, we don't recognize, we don't see the value in it anymore. And, and I have to ask, are we, do we have any value? Do we add any value to people's lives? Because you know, that's what the body of Christ is about. Do we, do we bring peace? If you and I are, are living in just as much dysfunction as the world is, but we're calling it church, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Right? Maybe you don't believe that. If we're living in just as much dysfunction as they are and we're not walking in peace and we're not walking in hope and we're not walking in love, why do they want to waste their hour on Sunday morning? Why do they want to waste any time? What difference does it make? 
We have to be dispensers of something. We have to be different in this world. We're called to be different in this world. We are. Hebrews 10.25 And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Folks, we need to be gathering together. Can I be honest? We have people walking away from churches, churches that are half full. We should be full. We're open. We should be full. We should be pushing that curtain open. We need to be inviting people to come. And here's the deal. I believe there's going to be a day very soon where that's going to be the case, where where we're going to be full, where there's going to be, not because we're anything special, but because of the word, because you live your life as a believer, because I live my life as a believer, because we, we try to do live the kingdom out there. We need to engage. Today I want to close. I, I've, got, I've got something for you this morning. Would you help Teddy hand those out? Uh, Raymond. When Satan fell from heaven, when he was booted out of heaven, he did it because he had five I wills. He was going to raise his, you missed one over here, Raymond. Um, And I have five declarations, five I wills for the kingdom of God. I believe five key declarations for us when it comes to walk. See, that's just it. The, the, The point of my message today is that we need to walk in the kingdom of light instead of the kingdom of darkness. We need to walk in God's kingdom instead of the kingdom of this world. And so we need to stand up and say, you might, you might need to put this on a mirror in your bathroom. Or you might, might need to post it on your refrigerator or keep it in your Bible. But there are some things that we need to declare as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, okay? I'm waiting for him to get these passed out because I want to go through them together. believer you've been walking in some of these truths your whole life but if you're stumbling here's what I want to tell you every one of these truths there is a counterfeit to okay every one of these truths because this is true means that the enemy's got a scheme for this I believe these are keys to walking in the kingdom of God engaged fully engaged number one is I will not fear. You might have to stand up and look in a mirror and tell yourself that every day. I will not fear. And you can add worry and anxiety and stress to that, okay? I will not fear. I will not worry. I will not anxiety. I will not stress. I will not grab hold of that. Fear is a liar. There's a great song that says, fear is a liar. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. This is just intuitive. How many of you know that when you're walking in fear, you are not walking in soundness of mind? Right? Somebody pulls a string and there's a little mouse and you go, ah! That is not rational thought. That is. Kill the mouse. Fear is a liar. Think about it. Fear is a liar. 
Somebody said one time that there's 365 fear not verses. Do not be afraid. Do not be fear not, fear not. There's 365 of those in the Bible. Now, I'm not for sure about that because I didn't count them all, but I'm here to tell you. Next time you struggle with fear, grab your Bible so you have the written word in front of you. Then go on Google and search fear not. Last time I did this, I got up to about 18 and said, that's enough. I'm not afraid anymore. You count out how many. You find, see if you can find 365 for me. Count them out. Isaiah 41, verses 10 and 11 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do you get that? Amen. The whole source of us not fearing is not because we're stronger, not because the mouse is small, not because the enemy is liar, because God says, Fear not, because I am with you. That's the source of us not fearing. If you want to engage in the kingdom of God, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What, what can we be afraid of? Number two, I will not ask why or why not. The greatest picture of this, I think, in all... You know, listen... Well, as soon as we ask that question, we're headed for a pity party. You know how you're at a pity party? You're the only one there. Well, why did this happen to me? Read about Joseph sometime. Read about Joseph, who was dad's favorite. And dad gave him a special coat, and his brothers didn't like it, so they beat him up and they threw him in a pit and sold him. How many of you have ever been sold by your siblings? I better put my hand down. Maybe somebody. I know, I know they might have tried. I was fifth out of six. They probably would have. They sold him, and then he gets raised up in Potiphar's house, and next thing you know, he's, he's really starting to be strong, and Potiphar's wife's got a thing for him, and the next she's calling rape, and he ends up in jail. He didn't do nothing. And he wasn't in jail overnight. Everything was stripped away from him. And then he has these guys who come to him with dreams. If you've got a dream, I can interpret the dream. But make sure you tell the boss about this. And nobody knows. And finally, people are, are dying, and the boss has got a dream. And he's like, hey, somebody needs to interpret this. And the baker's like, yeah, I know somebody. There's this dude you threw in jail a while ago. And the next thing you know, Joseph interprets the dream. And what happens? He raises up to be second in command of all of Egypt. And when he interprets that dream... He tells him, this is what it's all about. So Potiphar's like, go ahead, do whatever you need to do. Pharaoh tells him, go ahead, do whatever you need to do. So he does, and through that, he's restored to his father, and he's restored to his brothers. And Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 says, you intended harm for me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. As soon as we ask, why me? What happened to me? We lose out on the opportunity of God using that situation. Regardless of it, I don't care how dark it is. God will take you. I've said this before. I've said this before. How many times are we willing, how many of us are willing to be persecuted or to be picked on in a job or in school or in some setting? How many of us are willing to be treated wrong to be a light to somebody else? Oh, the devil's picking on me. No, God's trying to use you. Right? You want to be engaged in the kingdom of God? You can't walk in fear. 
Maybe struggling with why me or why not me. Man, that is just an illusion of control. As soon as you ask that, you're proving that you're out of control. Guess what? You never had control. That is just an illusion of control. The third thing, I will not put my life on hold. I don't care about the pandemic. Do I know we need to be careful around people? Sure. And Menard still requires masks. Somebody at Walmart was handing out a mask. That's fine. I am done putting my life on hold. These are the good old days. If you're waiting for everything to get better, it's not going to. It's not going to. It never has. Check out history. Things don't go backwards. When was the last time you listened to an 8-track tape? <laughs> right? Things don't get better. On our own. The word go, we're headed towards darkness. That's what the word says. We're headed towards darkness. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know. I kind of think maybe. That Paul's saying, well, maybe things will. And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Do you love Jesus Christ? Amen. Come on. Do you love Jesus for what he's done in your life? Do you believe that he's called you to a ministry of reconciliation? At least 16 people. I just told you he called you to a ministry of reconciliation. If, if he loves you and if he's called you, he is going to work everything out in your life for good. I don't care how dark it looks. He will do it. But you've got to see it that way. That's kingdom engagement. That's saying, God, I'm going to trust you beyond what I see. If you're stuck in what you see, you're lost. You're never going to move. You're going to be frozen in time. You're gonna, and here's what people tell me. People who are coming out of the, the house now, people who are coming out of isolation. I just met a pastor this week where he's at in uh, North Carolina. He said they still don't have church. They still have Zoom meetings. They still have not started school. People are still so freaked out that they're not moving yet. People are saying, I've been hearing this, that it is so hard to come out of isolation. You've been separated for so long. I had a, an hour-long conversation with somebody the other day at l and You're watching. You know who you are. You belong here. It's the truth. You're watching. I know that. You, you've told me, you know what, it's just, it's just hard. I've been gone for, for a year or so. I, I got my coffee, and I'm sitting at home, and I, I, just, don't, I just don't feel like going to church. Don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. We're going to miss out, folks. We're going to miss out. You want to engage in the kingdom. Get engaged. Don't, don't put your life on hold. Number four, you might have to tell yourself this every day. I will get stronger and I will get better. I refuse to get bitter. I'm going to get better. I refuse to get bitter. I'm going to get better. I don't care what's happened to me. I refuse to get bitter. We cannot do this on our own. We need to stand against the wiles of the enemy who want to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But we need to declare that we are not going to isolate and get bitter. There's going to be lots of things. I believe, I believe that we are not ready. We're not ready as a, as a church, as international, nationally, internationally, as a body. We're not ready for the wiles of the enemy that are coming. We need to stand up. We need to grow up. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to hide anymore. 
Let's listen to what Romans, Paul says to the church in Romans. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You know what a conqueror is? Here's what a conqueror is. This side of the room all stands up and decides they're going to have a fight with this side of the room. Whoever ends up with the most, well, whoever is the last one standing is the conqueror, right? Right? Does Paul say we're, gonna, we're, we're conquerors in Christ Jesus? He said, we're more than conquerors. Guess what? It's not even about, okay, 47 of us over here, 46 die, and Bob ends up being the conqueror. No, 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 no. Jesus says you're going to be more than conquerors. That means we can stand up and we can all win. Sure, we're going to have a few nicks and dings along the way, but we are more than just conquerors. I believe we can actually thrive in this new setting instead of just survive. Do you believe we can thrive? I think we're supposed to thrive, right? Because we're walking in the kingdom of light. God's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and he's placed us into the kingdom of his dear son. What's the worst What's the worst thing that can happen? I get to die and go to be with Jesus. I get to die and go to be with Jesus. I have millions of years to try and figure out eternity. That's the worst thing that's going to happen. Right? There are churches, people are, that church in Canada over Easter where the, the police came in, there was video of it. People were taking video and the pastor's up there and he's saying, you got to go out until you come back with a search warrant. You got to go out until you come back with a warrant. You got to come back. That dude went to jail. That pastor went to jail. Oh, well, so did Peter and John, right? Days are coming, folks. We don't know what they're going to bring. The absolute worst thing that somebody could do is send you home to be with your maker. I'm not trying to belittle that, but that is the reality, right? Number five, I will get closer to God. You make these declarations. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes, me to, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Sheep will not lay down if there is chaos around them. They won't do it. They'll stand up, they'll stand up, they'll stand up, they'll bleat, they'll move, they'll stand, they'll move, they'll stand, they'll go here, they'll go there, they'll move, they'll move. They will not lay down unless there's peace. Psalms 23 says, he leads me, he leads you. He leads us by quiet waters so we can get rest. He guides my soul. He guides me along paths of righteousness for his... Wait a minute, I missed one. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along paths of uh, right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, that's his, his correction and his direction. That's what a rod and staff are. They comfort me. You prepare a banquet table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
you want some keys to engage in the kingdom, I will not fear. I will not ask why. I will not put my life on hold. I will get stronger and better, and I will get closer to God. You engage. You use those points to engage in the kingdom of God, and I'm telling you, God's going to use you. We're going to grow up. We're going to grow up. We're going to grow up. But it takes getting into his word. It takes understanding his word. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for each person online. I thank you, God, that you are moving in our hearts and in our lives. I thank you, God, that you want to use us. The church being on hold is done. The church being on hold is done. We need to live. We need to live. We need to live out the gospel every day. God, we refuse to walk in fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. We're going to stop asking, why me? Poor me. Why not me? Why did I get passed by? Why did this happen? Why did that? We don't, we're not in control anyhow, God. We're not going to put our lives on hold. We're going to push into you and get better. We're going to get stronger. We're going to grow in truth. And Father, it's our desire to get closer to you. I think as we do that, we're going to see you use us more and more and more and more. We will be light in a dark place. We don't even have to try that. We will just be light in a dark place because we're closer to you. I heard one guy say this weekend, every time I see this guy and his wife, they just, they just look like Jesus all over them. That's just who they are. That's who we need to be, God. Help us to walk in that truth and that life in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? God bless you. Have a great day and live the kingdom.